Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Day two of what we're calling Radio Row at Home. We didn't need to go to Tampa, even though we can't go to Tampa. We didn't need to go to bring you the latest and greatest from all the names around sports and entertainment. Joining us now, a name well-versed to our listeners. It's former Patriots quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and my former Patriots podcast co-host, Doug Flutie. Doug, good to talk with you again, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Things have been good. Uh, getting ready for some stuff over at Super Bowl week. I am going to go over for a couple of events. So things, things are good. Having fun. Well, good. I was going to say, now you're in Florida, but not in Tampa. Is there a Super Bowl vibe in Florida? Does it feel like a normal Super Bowl week, even though oh, it's early? It, it probably doesn't feel, I mean, I'm on the other coast. But it doesn't feel like Super Bowl week, really, other than the fact everybody's excited for Tampa Bay being in it down here. Hmm. So, yeah, they're fired up about Tom Brady and Tampa Bay having the shot of doing this. Um, but there are some of it. Uh, Johnny Gaiman has his golf tournament going on over in Orlando area. Um, I play a flag football game with um, celebrity flag football game thing on Saturday. I'm doing a cornhole competition with the world champion cornhole guy. Uh, Matt Guy is his name. Hmm. I've been hanging around the house for a couple of days. We've been practicing a little because – he and I are going to be a team on Friday night on ESPN too. <laughs> oh well, I'm going to watch that then. No doubt about that for sure. Have to uh, have to see you do that. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you. So it came out the other day. It got announced that we're not doing the Patriots podcast together anymore. But you got a big gig at SiriusXM. Tell us about the new gig, man. Congrats! Yeah, very exciting. A lot of fun. It'll be coming out. We'll first want to be out on Wednesday. And I have Brett Favre and Jim Kelly as guests. Jim and I just got off a little while ago and. We were just like a couple of little kids, like high school kids, just yapping them back and forth stories back to USFL days, college days, Buffalo stuff. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, actually. You know, it, it stresses me out because I've always been the guy, and it's been great when we started our when I start with you. You know, you ask me questions and I answer it. That's what <laughs> I do. You know, I'm used to that. Ask me now. I got to ask questions and and be curious about things, and and uh, that's really that's different for me. But it, it should be a lot of fun. And I thank you, Brady, for, for all the things you did for me to allow this to happen. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, I don't know that I did much of anything, but it was fun doing the podcast with yeah. you. And uh, you know, you taught me a lot about football. We played a lot of our podcast on this radio show, so our listeners certainly heard your perspective a lot throughout the year, too. Let me ask you this from a Patriot standpoint. The report came out that Matthew Stafford said he could be traded anywhere but New England. Like, do you really think the Pats are that bad a situation that he doesn't want to – he wants to go even go to the awful Texans more so than here? I, I don't know. Is it – People have an attitude about that the Patriots have been winning for years and they don't want to go help them win? Or is it that they look at it as, you know, the salary cap caught up to them and they have to they, – they really didn't have a lot of weapons this year. Cam was handicapped as far as, you know, his weapons around him and, and his abilities as well at this point in his career. But, um, you know, so maybe they look at it as a place they can't win. But is that more of a place that – that, uh, you know, I mean, Cleveland made the playoffs this year after yeah. their history, so you can turn anything around, right? I know. I agree. And the Pats, even with Stafford, would have had $40 million in cap space. They'd have Belichick. They'd have McDaniels. I guess the question is, are the Patriots only appealing with Brady there? Like, is Brady gone, being gone, is that not – are the Patriots undesirable solely because he's not there? I think offensively you're undesirable You're looking when you look at it because of the style of the offense they had to run this year. 
Hmm. You know, if you're a big time wide receiver, do you want to go to a team that the receivers catch two balls a game? You know, do you want to go to a team where you're not going to, you're not going to come close to having a thousand yard season receiving. Um, So, you know, if they get, if they were to get the right quarterback, yeah, they, they just change back to a a wide open style or do what they have to do to win. Um, But the weapons, like we, we and I were talking about it before, the weapons aren't going to come until the quarterbacks in place. Right. Nobody wants to go to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. You know, so Stafford's off the books, off the market now. Watson's going to cost way more than Stafford, I think. So he seems unattainable, at least for what the Patriots usually pay. So that leaves us with Cam, Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, or drafting somebody. And I don't, you know, at this point, I kind of think the Pats should do both. Draft somebody and get a stopgap guy. What do you think? Yes. When you draft a guy, you want to have a veteran that can pull the trigger and get in there. And go. I like Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. I've always liked him. And, you know, he, he's kind of fallen in that category that I fell into towards the end of my career of being a band-aid guy that, that can go help you be competitive and win until the other guy's ready, until they find their franchise guy. And that, that might be the situation. And, you know, Fitz, I mean, Fitzpatrick this year, he didn't want to come out. When he had to come out, you know, he said the right things and he did it, you know, but he was, he was competing this year. I like him. I just – yeah, he may throw five interceptions in a quarter someday, <laughs> but also he may throw five TD passes and bring you back. You know, he came off the bench. Coming off the bench is awesome, by the way. As a veteran guy, when you come off the bench, it's a no-lose situation. You're relaxed. It's like, give me the thing. You know, let me take – yeah, you, you picture him. You picture, uh, picture Fitzpatrick as a guy that's got a lot of chew in his mouth. And yeah. it's like, let's go. Give me the ball. Let's go. <laughs> Just goes and slings it all around the yard for three hours and then goes home. Doug Flutie's with us on the Brady Farkas Show. It's Radio Row at home here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. What do you think is going to happen with Cam? Like, I he says he wants to sign early, but if he's going to sign early, it feels like he's going to have to sign to be a backup. If he wants to be a starter, he's going to have to wait out the market, which he doesn't really want to do because he wants to learn a system early in an offseason. It feels like he's caught between – a really hard place of trying to figure out what he is now. If I'm Cam, I'm looking to just sign a contract, get into camp, whether it's a new team or re-sign with the Patriots. You know, could he be the veteran backup? Because yeah. if, if there is a young guy, say there was a young guy that they draft and think is a possible guy that can step in right away, Cam's a good changeup. I mean, as a backup, Cam brings a lot of things to the table. As a guy that – is different from what teams will prepare for week in and week out. If there's an injury, now they're completely different look. And I I kind of like that, that your one and two are just a little different and and throw it as a change. I know every we all want to be the starter. We all want yeah. I was uh, 106 years old and I still wanted to be the starter. <laughs> um, but, you know, it just – find a home. Man. Find a home so you can get started. You know, he realized this year how important it is to be comfortable with an offense, to dive into it early and and get it down so that when you step on the field, you can use your tools, be a complete athlete. When you're thinking out there, it slows you down. Yeah, and we saw a lot of Cam thinking this year. You know, he was always amazingly honest this year, and he said it took him um, – he said that the thing he underestimated was how hard it would be to pick up a new system. Like his last press conference at the end of the year, he said like – I thought my experience level would would make it easy to learn something new. He said that wasn't the case at all. He said he always felt like he was fighting an uphill battle. So how hard is it to go to a new place and learn something new? 
It's tough. I mean, I, I've been through, I went through so many offenses. I, the very first offense I had to learn, I went to Chicago with the Bears. Mike Dicker was the coach. It was the old Tom Landry Dallas offense. Yep. And evens were left and odds were right, which <laughs> no other team in history does. Nobody does that. Even <laughs> a simple handoff. You call, you know, 20, 24, lead 24. It's not to the right. It's to the left. And <laughs> you're thinking about it. I had a game, uh, you know, and I got in there late in the season, had a couple of weeks to learn it before I got on the field and just kind of – I checked. I made the right audible. I checked to a sprint out. I checked the 18, and I sprinted out right. 18's left in their system, not right. And I'm running away from the – you know, it's – it makes you think. I mean, and right at the end of my career, um, you know, I, I spent three years in Buffalo. So I finally got that. You know, I had that down while I was playing. I had it down in San Diego while I was playing in San Diego. I come to New England. I'm at the end of my career and I got to learn another offense at 43 years old. And I still don't know the Patriots offense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't get a chance to get on the field and execute it and run it. So it just was learned material mentally. And I just, really you know i never got a chance to execute so i was i you know i was like i said in our pocket i'm like cheering tommy on don't yeah. get hurt stay out there go get him tommy you know i'm thinking about you and your career and just how long your professional career span you played for mike dicka and bill belichick what were they like compared to each other uh they were they were they were different they were completely different um really mike dicka i liked being around mike dicka during the week he was yeah. a riot. He was so, yeah, the sarcasm and the humor and the in your face attitude a little bit similar. Mike on game day was so hot headed. You know, it was tough. It was the only, I, I, I've said this before, the only quarterback that could have played and been successful for Mike Dick. And I loved Mike Dicka, but to be successful for him, you got to have a hard head and give it right back to him and get in his face. And that wasn't me. And McMahon was the only guy mm. that could do that. When I got to New England, I was at the end of my career. If I were young and dealing with with Bill Belichick, I probably really would have been intimidated. Yeah. Um, but by the end of my career, I just I love sitting back and hearing his sarcasm in meetings. <laughs> you know, just like giving up. You really, really, what you didn't want to make the tackle? Look, he's fumbling the ball. And what we didn't want the ball? It's sitting right there, yeah. just ball on the damn thing, and it's our ball. Well, you know, it just I I, I really enjoyed Bill. Uh, and maybe I probably wouldn't have enjoyed Bill if I were young, but being at the end of my career, I enjoyed him so much more. Well, you got to play with Tom Brady in the early portion of his career. Here he is again in the Super Bowl at age 43. Can you believe that Brady is still doing this at a high level? You're playing until you're 43. Can you see, can you imagine being this good at that age? Uh, no, no. I had, uh, my back was tightening up. My left knee was kind of a mess. I needed, and I've said this, I needed to be able to make people miss. Yeah, for me to be successful. When I was 42, I started a handful of games. I started some games, and I had some good days. I, I athletically made some people miss, had a couple touchdown runs, stuff like that. I felt like I could still be enough elusive. When I was 43, my back was tightening up, and I was like, I, I, I can't do. You know, my arm had good days and bad days, and um, I couldn't make people miss anymore. My left knee was getting too bad to really. So I, I, I knew I was done. Tom. He needs his head and his arm, and yeah. that's the way he plays the game. And as long as he and, – and with his routine of what he does, uh, you know, if he felt like playing a few more years, I'm sure he could. And the key there – and I'll say the reason I lasted as long as I did, I was not a heavy lifter of weights. 
Yeah. It's more about being agile, light, athletic, and mobile. And Tom's theory on his programs is flexibility, stretching, and stay loose. And, uh, you know, he's not going to go beat anybody up. He's not going to throw a block. He's not going to knock someone on their tail. He doesn't need to. He just keeps that arm fresh, and he's so smart. He puts him in the right place and can accurately throw the ball. Uh, you know, he'll decide when he wants to call quits. It's pretty amazing. Super Bowl Sunday coming up Sunday. Doug Flutie with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Doug, I'll get you out of here on a couple more uh, quick thoughts. Danny Amendola, former patch wide receiver, made some um, interesting remarks earlier this week when he said that the Patriots' way is Tom Brady and that's it. That, that basically uh, Brady is the Patriots' way and there's a reason Brady's playing in the Super Bowl and the Pats aren't. I, I think that's a little too simplistic. I got to think some of Bill rubbed off on Tom to make him this way. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, Tom, Tom's amazing. What he's done in Tampa, he has a lot more tools at his discretion than what Cam had in New England this year. Yeah. Tom's probably never had this much talent at receiver in a season. But, you know, Bill's success comes from preparation. And, and Tom – learned how to prepare under Bill, learned how to prepare yeah. with Josh McDaniel, had a offensive coordinator that was with him all the way. They, you know, I, the year I was there, you could tell they'd been together a while and they thought alike. They were on the same page watching film, putting in the two minute stuff, putting in the third down stuff, the red zone stuff, you know? So now when Tom throws on film by himself, he's still got Josh in his head. You know, he's still got Bill in his head. He's still, okay, they're playing these coverages down this area of the field. We This is my go-to stuff. Let's go to this. And you know how to attack things. Now, it might be different terminology. It might be a little different wrinkle down in Tampa instead of New England. But the concepts and the things that he sees on film were taught to him back in New England. Doug, last question here. I know you're a big baseball fan. You're tied to New England. You're a Red Sox guy. So let me ask you this. Dustin Bedroya announced his retirement uh, earlier this week, another undersized guy who was a dirt dog, gritty guy. Um, just your thought on guys like Pedroia who can make it uh, and overcome physical limitations to be really, really good players. I mean, little guy, when he went to Arizona State, they told yeah. him, look, you're not going to be a shortstop. You know, you're, you're too small. You don't have the arm. You're, you're, you're just, and, uh, you know, he walked in with the attitude of, hey, I'm your next superstar. He went in and did it there. He went to Boston. He's a, He was a home run hitter, a power hitter. He swung, uh, you know, for his size, he got the most power out of everything. But the thing I loved about him is getting dirty all the time. Everything was all out, full effort. It's how I would have played baseball if I had played baseball. I mean, it's you've got that little man complex. you got that chip on your shoulder every day. He loved playing the game. He was to the stadium first. He, they couldn't keep him out of the dugout. They couldn't keep him over. You know, he was there all day, every day. And the one, I just remember one of the games I went um, – and they took some, you know, they were getting ready to go out on the field. And I was near the dugout area and Dustin came over and said, hi. And I go, you're already dirty. The game hasn't even started. And he said, oh, it was, it was spring training. That's why. Yeah. And he goes, well, tell Butter, Butterfield. He said, tell Butters to quit hitting the ground balls in the hole and making me dive for it. Yo, he's like diving <laughs> all out in pregame, making play a warming up. And that's yeah. Dustin. He's going to make the play. I didn't care if nobody's running. It's just taking infield. Mm -hmm. And he played with a lot of heart and soul. And that was, I love him. I love him. I love everything about the way he played. Well, we're going to miss him too up here 
in Boston. Hard to believe he's done after, uh, you know, 17 years in the Red Sox organization. Doug Flutie, former Pats quarterback, two stints in New England, Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer. The new show on Sirius XM is the Flutie Flake Cast. Look forward to seeing that as well. So, uh, Doug, we appreciate it. Thanks for the time and all the content you provided us this whole season, and we will definitely do it again. Appreciate it. Call me anytime.